Well, well, good morning, good morning. Welcome, everybody, to Unraveling the Words of Yahweh. Uh, my name is Kevin Eichner, and so glad to have you tuning in this morning. And another, another such beautiful, beautiful, glorious morning right here. Hey, we've been doing a, a, a very, very deep study on this rapture doctrine. And uh, now, once again, it, it's not so much that I disagree with the coming, the second coming of Yeshua Messiah. Uh, what I am disagreeing with is the mainstream churches that try to institute a pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, we've been in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Uh, we gathered in the second, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians 15. We went into Ezekiel and uh, some other uh, scriptures I shared with you that uh, pretty much nail the fact that there is no pre-tribulation. Uh, we did a little bit of history on where this came back, and we know that now that basically this this thought, this pre-tribulation thought. Uh, did not derive from any church fathers. There's not one single early church father that even considers a rap, a pre-tribulation rapture, I should say. Uh, we did uh, prove that the, the Jesuits, the three Jesuits, were very, very instrumental into uh, starting uh, this so-called pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, trying to defend the Pope's honor against the Reformation churches, you know, uh, Calvin and Luther and Huss and those guys. And we've seen that uh, the Irvingites, Eddie Irving, he picked up on this. And he took off with it. And then, of course, you know, Darby. And later on, uh, I'll be talking about uh, Cyrus Schofield and the Schofield Bible and, and his book. Buddy, his counterpart um, Samuel Untermeyer, and how instrumental they were into this future dispensationalism and this Christian Zionism and so forth. So there, there's so much to to this. So what we did, or what I did was, is I decided, well, let's go into Matthew chapter 24 and let's read what Yeshua Messiah has to say about his second coming. And uh, there in that Matthew 24, verse 3, uh, as he's sitting there upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And that's that's number one question. And, they're ta and he's asking about the stones, uh, the Messiah, uh, there in chapter 23. He just, he just left the religious communion. Check that out, man. He didn't have anything good to say about the religious community. And, and he was talking about how beautiful these stones, and they're all going to fall and crumble and be crushed. So the disciples are saying, well, when, when are these going to happen? And, and then they say, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? That's the second question. And then the third question is, and at the end of the world, this earth age, three separate questions. So what he did was the Messiah, what Yeshua Messiah, he goes into, into this chapter 4, a very lengthy uh, teaching 
on what to look for. And this teaching even reflects you and I today. He says here, uh, you, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, and uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, he's going to talk about for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We see that happening. But then he says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. In other words, birth pangs. He said there in verse 9, now keep in mind now, you got these uh, uh, ministers out there that want to uh, promote this uh, pre-tribulation rapture. But listen to what he says here in verse 9. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So we see that he's very, uh, uh, he's telling us that for those of us that have a desire to go out and uh, uh, speak, speak about the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, there's a possibility that some of us may be, may be, uh, may killed over it. You know, they're in Matthew, and, and let's back up here before I go to Matthew 10. You see, these disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. Because he says in Matthew chapter 10, prior to this, he says here, uh, verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. That's to say, Satan's synagogue. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. Listen why. Why? For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. It's that Holy Spirit. It's that energy sent forth from Yahweh himself that's going to speak on your behalf. And brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father, the child, the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You hear that? The end. After that tribulation period. Hey, speaking. Spe <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you, folks, you can't make this stuff up. Did, did you happen to hear about, I, I want to speak to you, to the liberal, the die-hard Christian Democrats. Did you hear about Joe Biden in a, in a speech where he forgets, he, 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 he forgets the creator? In the Declaration of Independence, he calls Yahweh the Creator, Eliahim the Thing. Did, did, did you hear about that? Let, let me see something here. I want to see. Let me turn this up a little bit. Now, I, I I hope you can hear this. I got my cell phone, and I want it's a seven second clip, and I want you to listen to what Joe Biden says. 
these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goat, you know the, you know the thing. Did, did you hear it? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goat, you know the, you know the thing. The thing, folks. This man, this man, this, this yo-yo. It, 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 I'm embarrassed to say with a senator from uh, uh, the state, the fine state of Delaware. He he can't. We we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the the see, see, you 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 know you know you know the the, the thing. What an embarrassment! What a embarrassment! And, and you so-called liberal Christian Democrats out there. <laughs> Folks, now do you understand Matthew 24, what he's talking about here? And then shall, uh, uh, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. You you talk about false prophets. How, how about this church down there in Texas? Did you hear about that church? A now former Assemblies of God church in Texas has announced that its elder board has decided to allow practice and homosexuals to serve in all capacities, including as pastors, and that pastors will be permitted to officiate same-sex ceremony if desired. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. You remember I read back there in Thessalonians? Let me turn back in case I got any new listeners out there. What 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 uh, uh Paul? They're in Second Thessalonians. Now listen to what Paul says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Yeshua Messiah, and from by our gathering together unto him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of the Messiah is at hand. It, it's near. Let no man deceive you by any means. Don't let any these moronic... That, that, hey, that, that's what Yeshua, or Yahweh called him there in, a, in a Ezekiel chapter 13. Oh, foolish prophets that teach the souls to fly away. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. What day? The second coming of Yeshua Messiah. Except there come a falling away first. Apostasy. Folks, we're seeing... You, you think the coronavirus is spreading. Why don't you look there in the pulpits and check out the apostasy that's spreading, not only in this county, not only in this state, not only in this nation, but all through the world. The spreading of apostasy. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. It's a reality, folks. It's coming. You can't deny it. Yeshua Messiah nailed it on the head. Verse 13, but once again, listen to what he said. He said the same thing there in chapter 10. 
But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And then here in verse 15, now he's really sharpening up. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, then in parentheses it reads, Whoso readeth, let him understand. And we've been focusing on this abomination of desolation. So what he's telling his disciples before I return the second time, history must repeat itself in the course of the abominations of desolations. So you have to ask yourself, what in the world is the Messiah talking about? Well, in Daniel chapter 8, verse 13, Daniel says, Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and host to be trodden underfoot? In, in chapter 9, verse 27, Daniel writes, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Daniel continues in chapter 11, verse 31. And arms shall stand on his part. Armies! And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. And he shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now what's Daniel talking about? And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. I touched on this a little bit last week. The temple which stood in Jerusalem, a fortified city. And it was itself a building strong and stable. And especially it was so called because here the all here the mighty Yahweh has it his residence. The symbol of which was the ark of his strength. Here he gave strength unto his people, this holy place, sacred to the worship and the service, the commanders and the soldiers of Antiochus, defiled by entering into it, who were men unholy, unclean, by making it a place of luxury and rioting, of whoredom and all manner of uncleanliness by bringing things into which were not lawful, and filling the altar which was an abominable. You see, folks, there, there's a lot of thought in, into this sanctuary of strength. And, and as I close that last week's program, I, I want to come back to it. I want you to think also spiritually. An arm shall stand on his part. And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. Now, I want you to think spiritually for a second. And listen to what Daniel and the Messiah is saying here. Who is our sanctuary? Is it not Yeshua Messiah? Is he not our strength? So we have a spiritual and we have a physical aspect to this Daniel chapter 11. We, we see the physical part. 
we see that this temple, and I'm going to get into an article by uh, um, um, Chuck Baldwin later. I don't know if it'll be today, maybe next week. Chuck Baldwin and about Donald Trump and rebuilding this third temple. You see, the the arm shall stand in his part. In whose part? Into this false prophet, this antichrist. In the Lucifer. That's what Daniel's talking about here. And they shall pollute the sanctuary. You know what, folks? Don't think for a minute that we need a temple built in Israel on Mount Zion for the forget the cleansing of the forgiveness of sins. If you are a Christian Zionist, do you realize, spiritually speaking, you are polluting the sanctuary of strength? Because you're saying it's okay to build a third temple to forgive the sins. Man, the churches need to wake up. Quit quit dally-lagging along and preach the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. If it offends people, so be it. And you bumbling morons. Stand around there and promote this third temple. Oh, brother, I can't wait for the. Well, you know what, their brother and sister, uh, uh, it, it's okay to build the third temple because my pastor saying Jesus is coming back before the tribulation period, and and, and we won't be here to witness it. So it, it it's okay to 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 build this third temple. No, it isn't. They're lying to you. They're deceiving you, man. We got to wake up. You know, Yeshua Messiah, he, he, he talks about this abomination of desolation. And he goes here, whosoever readeth understandeth. Well, unfortunately, somewhere along the line, the, the modern Christians, we decided to take the Apocrypha out of the Bible. Well, unfortunately, that, that was wrong. Because in 2 Maccabees, chapter 6, you see, in the first and second books of Maccabees, this is what took place during this so-called abomination of desolation that Daniel spoke of. This is how bad it's going to get, folks. In 2 Maccabees chapter 6, verse 4, For the temple was filled with riot and reviling by the Gentiles, who dallied with harlots, and had to do with women within the circuit of the holy places, and besides that, brought in things that were not lawful. The altar also was filled with profane things, which the law forbiddeth. Josephus, Josephus even talks about by erecting a high place upon the altar, sacrificing swine upon it. Josephus, you know, we, we read there in, in the Torah that uh, 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 two or more things we can agree with if two or more people speak about it. So we see Josephus, who, who was an historian, Fantastic book. Once again in 1 Maccabees chapter 1 verse 46. And pollute the sanctuary and holy people. Verse 47. They set up altars and groves. 
and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine flesh and unclean beast. You know, I find this interesting. All you holy rollers out there, that, that you got to keep the church traditions. Now, I want you to sharpen up a little bit. Let me back up here. I want you to re I want to reread here. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place that abomination that maketh desolate. So they're doing something. They're desolating the sa that sanctuary that strengthen you and I. So we go in and we check out the history a little bit. What, what, what were they doing? Well, we, we, we see here that uh, Josephus says they're sacrificing swine. In 1 Maccabees uh, chapter 1, verse 46, uh, uh, verse 47, they set up altars, groves, and chapels of idols, and they sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beast. But whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. Well, dear brother Kevin, the, the churches aren't doing that today. Really? Let me ask you something, you wizard out there. When it comes Easter time, what's the number one meat that people seem to love on Easter? Now keep in mind, Easter is not a holiday set up by Yahweh. It's a man-made Ishtar. It's pagan. It's Luciferian. Get mad if you want. Doesn't bother me. You see, I teach the words of Yahweh. I make no excuses. Where else in Sussex County can you hear the truth being come to, come to you every Sunday morning? Think about it. Who's going to tell you these facts? Have you figured out the number one meat? Pig. Swine. It's an abomination of desolation. Hey, don't get mad at me. I'm just sharing scripture with you. It says, and take away the daily sacrifice. Now listen up. Sharpen up here, folks. So, what is the daily sacrifice? Well, it's a sacrifice of the lamb in the morning, in the evening which the priests were hindered from offering by the crowds of heathen in the temple, prohibited by the order of Antiochus, for he forbid burnt offering, sacrifice, and libation to be made in the temple. Do you understand that? This abomination of desolation, the, the sacrifices of the lamb. Who is our lamb? Paul, Paul states very clearly that Yeshua Messiah is our Passover lamb, not an Easter ham. So what's this abomination of desolation doing? It's taking away the sanctuary of the strength, which is Yeshua's Messiah. I want you to, speak, I want you to think spiritually now. It's taking away the sanctuary of strength, Yeshua Messiah. We're going to replace it with the third temple. We're going to allow the sacrifices, which the, 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 the atoning blood of the Messiah has already cleansed us. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring these lambs back in. But whoa, 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 wait a minute. 
Now we're going to do away with the lamb, the lamb's blood. And we're going to use swine. I'm sorry. You, you, you remember there at Gatherzine? The evil spirits? Where did the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords cast the evil spirits into? The swine! They're unclean! Once again, there in 1 Maccabees, chapter 1, verse 47, they set up our, uh, altars, groves, chapels of idols, sacrificed swine's flesh, and unclean beast. We got idiotic people running for president trying to quote the Declaration of Independence. Probably they want to... Let me, let me reword this. The number one article book in American history is none other than the Bible, Yahweh's words. Number two would be the Declaration of Independence. And here we got a moronic individual from the state of Delaware trying to be President of the United States and he calls our creator, Eliahim, a thing. That's sad. That is sad. You get a chance, watch the video and see the people clapping. That's sad. Once again, there in the and in, in Josephus and Iniquities, Book One, Chapter Twelve. Josephus expressly says that he forbade the daily sacrifices to be offered which were used to be offered to Yahweh according to the law, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate, either a garrison of heathen soldiers in the temple, which drove the priests and the people from it, made it desolate, or rather an idol in it, and it began usual in scripture to call it idols and abomination, as they are to Yahweh and all good men, the image of Jupiter Olympius, as it thought, which was placed upon the altar of Yahweh by Antiochus, on the 15th day of the month of uh, Sisulu in the 145th year of the Seleucid, it's called the Abomination of Desolation. That's what we're talking about. Now, I want to share with you a little bit more. What I want to show, what, I, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get in the back of your mind what's going on here. How, how, how pathetic this is going to be. This is why a couple weeks ago I went into the, the War of Gog and Magog there in Ezekiel 37 and 38. I showed you Psalms chapter uh, uh, 83 about the Federation Army. Matter of fact, I, I made a comment to you about Albert Pike and, and his amazing predictions of the three world wars. He, he wrote a letter to Mazzini on August the 15th, 1871. All right. Supposedly, Albert Pike had a vision. And in this letter, he graphically outlined plans for three world wars that were seen as necessary to bring about the one world order. 
I want you to check out how accurately it's predicted these events. Alright. The first world war must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the Tsars in Russia and make that country a fortress atheistic communism. The diversions caused by the, the agents of the Illuminati between the British and the Germanic empires will be used to foment this war. At the end of the war, communism will be built in order to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions. Now, I gotta stop there. Well, let me let me continue here. Let me. I want, I want students of history will recognize the political alliances of England on one side and Germany on the other, uh, forged between 1871 and 1898 by Otto van Bismarck, co-conspirator of Albert Pike, were instrumental in bringing about the First World War. But listen to what Albert Pike said. At the end of the war, communism will be built and used in order to destroy other governments and in order to weaken religions. He wrote this in 1871. And, and, and we've got Masonic Law just praising Albert Pike. And sadder than that, we've got Freemason ministers standing in the pulpits of the Sanctuary of Strength. Folks, you people don't you people don't even realize you're already living in the abomination of desolation and you're clueless. You're clueless. You're like sheep taken to the slaughter. The second war World War must be formatted by taking advantage of the differences between the fascist and the political Zionist. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel and Palestine. During the Second World War, international communism must be strong enough in order to balance Christendom which would then be restrained and held in check until the time when we would need it for the final social catalysm. That's what he, that, that's part of this letter. And we know now that, that after the Second World War, communism was made strong enough to begin taking over weakened governments. In 1945, at the Potsdam Conference between Truman, Churchill, and Stalin, all Freemasons, by the way, a large portion of Europe was simply handed over to Russia, and on the other side of the world, the aftermath of the world with Japan helped to sweep the tide of communism into China. Now, I know there may be somebody who want to argue that the terms Nazism, Zionism were not known in 1871. Should remember that the Illuminati invented both these movements. In addition, Communism as an ideology and as coined phrase originated in France during the revolution. In 1785, Ristiff coined the phrase four years before revolution broke out. So, this leaves us up to the Third World War. This is what Albert Pike has to say. Listen very carefully. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agent 
and the Illuminati, between the political Zionists and the leaders of Islamic world. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim Arab world, and the political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, economical exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilist and the atheist, and we shall provoke the formidable social catalysm, which in all its horror will clearly uh, uh, to the nations the effect of the absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. Then everywhere the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and multitude disillusionized with Christianity whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an idea, but without knowing where to render its addition, uh, will receive that. This is what he says now. This is Albert Pike, the Third World War. But without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out in the public view. This manifestation will result from the general rectionary movement, which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. That was a letter that Albert Pike wrote in 18, or I'm sorry, August the 15th, 1871. You see, folks, the Illuminati, the Luciferian complex, whatever you want to call them, the Bilderbergers, they're all, goes back to one thing, they're Luciferian, they're Satanism. And you people sitting there sucking on that bottled milk, you better wake up and smell the roses. Because what's happening? I mean, think about think about ever since two thousand and one when when Bush and, and all of them were in office, Desert Storm, Iraqi Wars, Afghanistan. Think about what Donald Trump, and we'll get into Donald Trump probably next week. I'll read you what uh, 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 Chuck Baldwin had to say. Folks, come on now, man. Seriously. This is a reality. This is spiraling downwards. It's coming to pass. We can't stop it. There will be no revival. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords made it very clear. Check out his words. The abomination of desolation, it's coming. The Christian Zionists, unbeknown to themselves, they're setting up this third temple. They're setting up this Albert Pike's World War III. Check out Psalms 83. This Luciferian doctrine, the one that wants to sit in the temple to be Yahweh, Ezekiel chapter 28, check it out there at verse 12. Read it. So what's going to happen? So we see what Albert Pike, the Luciferian dictator, wants to do. 
He's going to create a war. Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 37, 38. Psalms uh, 83. So it's going to be so bad that we're going to have to build a temple. We're going to have to build a temple. We're going to bring a Messiah, the false Messiah in. Let me share. I'm going to share with you what Josephus says. Now it came to pass after two years, huh? Two years. In the 145th year, on the 25th day of the month, which is called by Cheslu, and by the Macedonians, Apelius, in the 153rd uh, of the Olympid, that the king came up to Jerusalem, the city of peace, and pretending peace, he got possession of the city by treachery, at which time he spared not so much as those that admitted him into it on account of the riches that lay in the temple. But, led by his covetous inclination, for he saw there was a great deal of gold and many ornaments that had been dedicated uh, 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 to it in very great value, and in order to plunder its wealth, he ventured to break the league he made. Wait a minute, you hear that? Just like Daniel said. This is, a, this is why I'm coming here. So you have an understanding of what the Messiah is talking about. When you see the abomination of desolations, whosoever readeth have knowledge and wisdom. This is why I'm sharing this with you. Because, folks, where there's no pre-tribulation, you there is no pre-tribulation rapture. You're going to witness this. You, you Christian Zionists out there, they're, they're, you you want to see what you're 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 planning for, what you're funding in the third temple? You're bringing about the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan himself, Luciferian. This is what's going to happen, exactly like Daniel, exactly like the Messiah said. This is why the Messiah said about this building, this temple being crushed. It's not crushed yet. We haven't seen it. He's going to crush it when he sits there in Zechariah, as he sets his foot there and he splits there in the, the Mount of Olives, uh, uh, Mount Zion, Mount of Olives. So what, what about Antiochus? Listen about this. So he left the temple bare. Took away the golden candlesticks, the golden altar of incense, the table of shewbread, the altar of burnt offering. Now, once again, allow me to stop for a second. These are these are th things instructed by Yahweh. Do you realize that when when you lay out, you ever do a study of the the tabernacle that Moses set up? Oh man, it's it's awesome, folks. When you sit down and you lay it out, listen to what Moses is telling us. Do you realize that this thing is set out in such a way that it forms a cross? See, Yahweh knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly. Once again, we see the spiritual aspect on this. He also emptied of its secret treasures. He left nothing at all remaining, and by this means cast the Jews into great lamentation. For he forbade them to offer those daily sacrifices which they used to offer to Yahweh according to law. And when he had when he had pillaged the whole city, some of the inhabitants he slew, some he carried captive, together with their wives and children, so that the multitude of those captives that were taken alive amounted to about ten thousand. I want to stop again. What did the Messiah say? Hold up here. 
What did the Messiah say? And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I'm not going to go back, but go back and reread uh, Matthew chapter 10. You see, folks, this is what's going to happen. This is the reality of it. The Messiah said in verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. I'm telling you exactly what happened. It's coming to pass. He also burnt down the finest buildings, and when he had overthrown the city walls, he built a citadel in the lower part of the city, for the place was high and overlooked the temple, on which account he fortified it with the high walls and towers and put in the garrison the Macedonians. He wants to be like Satan himself. Just like Paul said there in Thessalonians. However, back to Josephus. However, in that citadel dwelt the impious and the wicked part of the Jewish multitude, from whom it proved that the citizens suffered many and sore calamities. And when the king had built an altar, an idol altar, upon Yahweh's altar, he slew swine upon it. And so offered a sacrifice neither according to the law nor the Jewish religious worship in that country. He also compelled them to worship, to forsake the worship which they paid their own Yahweh. You hear that? This false prophet, this is why the Messiah said that we're going to be led up to Satan's synagogue. He also compelled them to forsake the worship which they paid to their own Yahweh and to adore those whom he took to be gods and made them build temples and raise idol altars in every city and village and offered swine upon them every day. Go ahead, eat your Easter pig, you bunch of wannabe thumb-sucking bottle milking Christian. Eat, eat your pig on Easter Sunday. He also commanded them not to circumcise their sons and threatened to punish any that should be found to have transgressed his injunction. He also appointed overseers who should compel them to do what he commanded. And indeed, many Jews there were complied with the king's commands, either voluntary or out of fear of the penalty that was denounced. But the best men and those of the noblest souls did not regard him but did pay a greater respect to the customs of their country that concerned as to punishment which he threatened to the disobedient on which they accounted every day, underwent great miseries and bitter torments. For they were whipped with rods and their bodies were torn in pieces and were crucified while they were still alive and breathed. Did they get raptured away? No. Let me, I'm going to stop. Let me, I'm going to finish. There's only one more sentence or so. And they also strangled those women and their sons whom they had circumcised as the kings had appointed, hanging their sons about their necks as they were upon the crosses. And if there were any sacred books of the law found, it was destroyed. And those with whom they were found miserably perished also. Let me ask you something. We just read, I just read to you what Josephus said during this time frame about this abomination of desolation, how bad it was going to get. Were these individuals raptured away? No. So why in the world would a milk-sucking, bottled Christian 
think that they, when they got a Luciferian Masonic Lodge minister standing in the pulpit, polluting the sanctuary of strength, think they're going to be raptured away. Do you ever think about that? When we got so-called liberal Christians voting for socialist bumblelits as Bernie Sanders and that nimwitted Joe Biden who can who calls the creator of all the thing do you really think you're worthy to be raptured away before the tribulation period you christian zionist that are so gun ho on building a third temple to allowing them to sacrifice for the sins when the king of kings or the, the Passover lamb, let me back up the Passover lamb, the king of kings and lord of lords, done it all. It's finished. You remember when he sat up there and he, he, he said on, on Calvary's cross, remember there at Calvary's cross, what did he say? It is finished. Do you think you Christian Zionists are going to be raptured away for allowing this polluted temple to be rebuilt? How about you Catholics out there in your catechisms under your salvation section? Do you know why the Catholics get along with the Arabs, the Islamics so much? Let me tell you why. You see, the Jews in the Talmud, they compare Yeshua Messiah, our king, king of kings and lord of lords, to Balaam. They're in, they're in Numbers chapter 22. They, they, in the Talmud, the Jews claim that, that the Virgin Mary was a whore. This, this is right in the Talmud. However, in the Quran, it states that Yeshua was a great prophet in Israel. You see, in Islam, they, they, they recognize Yeshua Messiah as a prophet. Not, not as good as Muhammad, but at least they do recognize him as a prophet. Whereas in Judaism, the, his mother Mary was a whore. And he's, he's can, uh, uh, compared to Balaam. That's why the Catholics can, can butter up to Islamics. Check it out. Read, read their section there in the Catechism. What is it, 1831 or something like that section? In 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 57, it, it states, And whosoever was found with any book of the Testament, or if any committed to the law, the king's commandment was, they should be put to death. This is what the Messiah was talking. When you shall see the abomination of desolations. Now, the temple itself was ordered to be called the temple of Jupiter, Olympias. In the Apocrypha, 2 Maccabees chapter 6, verse 2, it reads, And to pollute the temple in Jerusalem, and to call it the temple of Jupiter Olympias, and that in Gerizim, the Jupiter of defender of strangers, as they did desire that dwelt in the place. 
Luciferian doctrine. This is what the third temple is going to bring about, folks. This is exactly what Alfred Pike was talking about on August 15, 1871, the Third World War. With that and this and other things that were done, the temple and the city were left desolate. They're in 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verse 45. Now Jerusalem lay void as a wilderness. There was none of her children that went in or out. The sanctuary was also trotted down. And aliens kept a stronghold. The heathen had their habitation in that place. And joy was taken from Jacob. And the pipe with the harp ceased. It may be rem rem uh, rendered the abomination that maketh desolate. For it struck the people of the Jews with astonishment. It amazed and stupefied them. When they saw such an idle place in their temple. The Karaite Jews who by others are called Sadducees, gave a very foreign interpretation of this passage, which Aben Ezriah observes. This is what they were saying. It is marvelous, says he, that the wise men of the Sadducees should explain this of a future time and say that this sanctuary is in Mecca, where the Ishmaelites, or Turks, keep a feast, the daily sacrifice, to be removed, their five prayers, and the abomination was set up in their idolatrous worship. Sir Isaac Newton, uh, Isaac Newton understands all this of the Romans and their buildings, a temple to Jupiter, Capilonius, where the temple in Jerusalem had stood. See, even Isaac Newton understood this. He's seen what was going on. But it's so hard for us to understand. In Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. He continues. There in verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. And the abomination that maketh desolate set up. There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Notice that they all associate the abomination of desolation with stopping of the daily sacrifice. I believe that Daniel chapter 11.31, Daniel chapter 8.13 are referring to Antiochus IV who performed the abomination of desolation previous to the Messiah's initial arrival on the earth and resulted in the Maccabean revolt and subsequent celebration of Hanukkah. However, it's telling that even that time separated by over 2,000 years from the end time version still associates the stopping of the daily sacrifice with the abomination of desolations. If I say that it will be two weeks from the time I get my paycheck in and cash it, does that mean that getting my paycheck is separate by two weeks before I cashed it? And is it a logic statement? If I say from something and something are so many days, which means the two events together define the starting point of those days. It would be completely different if scripture said, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. And then the abomination that make it desolate will be set up. However, that's not what it says. 
The abomination of desolation is pivotal event in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. There are many pivotal events in prophecy that are also tied to it. From the time of the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, to the return of Yeshua Messiah. So let me ask you something. Who was this Antioch Epiphanes? Now, according to the Jewish Encyclopedia, he was a king of Syria. He reigned from 175 B.C., died in 164 B.C. He was a son of Antiochus the Great, and after the murder of his brother Seleucus, took possession of the Syrian throne, which rightly belonged to his nephew Demetrius. This Antiochus is styled in the rabbinical sources, the wicked. Abundant information is extent concerning the character of this monarch, who exercised great influence upon Jewish history and the development of the Jewish religion. Since Jewish and heathen sources agree in the characterization of him, their portrayal was evidently correct. Antiochus combined in himself the worst faults of the Greeks and the Romans, but very few other good qualities. He was vainglorious and found in the display to the verge of eccentricity, liberal to extravagance. His sojourn in Rome had taught him how to captivate the common people with the appearance of geniality. But in his heart, he had a cruel tyrant's contempt for his fellow men. Just exactly as the Messiah said, Peace, peace! This individual coming here, prior to the abomination of desolation, he's going to be telling you everything, exactly what Daniel said. There in chapters 8, chapter 11, 13, chapter 12, and so forth. Coming in so beautiful. These folks, they're side-winked. He entered the temple precincts, not, not out of curiosity, but to plumber the, plunder the treasury, to carry away viable utensils, such as the golden candlestick upon the altar and the showbread, likewise of golds. This spoliation of the sanctuary frustrated all the attempts of Jason and other Tobians to hellenize the people. <coughs> Excuse me. For even the most well-disposed of the uh, Hellenizers among them felt outrage of this discretion. This guy was f evil, folks. He was evil. He first entered Jerusalem amicably, then suddenly turned upon the defenseless city. He murdered plundered, burnt through its length and breadth. The men were butchered. Women and children were sold into slavery in order to give premience to the work of the desolation. The walls and numerous houses were torn down. The old city of David was fortified anew by the Syrians and made into a very strong fortness, completely dominating the city. Having thus made Jerusalem a Greek colony, the king's attention was next turned to the destruction of the national religion. A royal decree proclaimed the abolition of the Jewish mode of worship. Sabbaths and festivals were not to be observed. Circumcision was not to be performed. The sacred books were to be surrendered, and the Jews were compelled to offer sacrifices to the idols that had been erected. 
Now, I find this interesting because here we got this abomination of desolation. And we see what's happening. Right? So I want to turn to Zechariah. I want to go to Zechariah chapter 14. Behold, the day of Yahweh cometh. This is the same day that John uh, was talking about there in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. It, that, that day in the book of Revelation wasn't a Sunday. It's talking about the day when the Lord's going to return. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, says John. Behold, the day of Yahweh cometh, and, and, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now, I'm sharing with you Zechariah. Because here's prophecy what's going to happen after this temple's rebuilt. After Gog and Magog, they're in Ezekiel 37-38. After uh, Albert Pike's Third World War. After Psalms 83. I just read you in part here what's talking about this Antiochus and what he did in Jerusalem. How he fortified the city where no nation could come against him. How he did away with the Sabbaths and the Holy Days. Listen, listen what he says here. For I will battle against all nations against Jerusalem. And the city shall be taken. And the houses rifled. The women ravished. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. See, this is exactly what what uh, Daniel said. This is exactly what happened in, in the book of Maccabees. This is exactly what Josephus talked about. And this is exactly what Yeshua Messiah is warning us about that's going to happen prior to his second coming. Then, then after the abomination of desolations, then Yahweh shall go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of the battle. Listen very carefully. And his feet shall stand in that day. What day? On the Lord's day. Upon the Mount of Olives. Which is before Jerusalem. On the east side. And the Mount of Olives. Shall cleave in the midst thereof. Toward the east. Toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall uh, 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 move toward the south. And half towards the north and the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azael. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And Yahweh my Elohim shall come, and all the saints with thee. Take notice, all the saints with thee. Just like Paul said there in First and Second Thessalonians. And it shall come to pass in that day, what day? The Lord's day, after the abomination of desolations. That the light shall not be clear nor dark. Now I gotta stop for a second. I gotta stop here. We're in Zach. I'm, re I'm reading you Zechariah chapter 14. Now let me ask you something. What's wrote in Zechariah 14? Has it happened yet? No. Therefore, we have a prophecy. Yet to be unfolded. You understand that? 
What I'm reading you here in Zechariah 14 has not happened yet. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall be not uh, uh, that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. You know why? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all His glory—that's your kind of glory. And it shall be in that day that the living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, half of them toward the hinder sea, in the summer and the winter it shall be. And, and Yahweh shall be king over all the earth in that day. There shall be one Lord, one Yahweh, and his name one. Has that happened yet? No. This, Zechariah, all ties in together with the abomination of desolations, what, what Matt, uh, Yeshua is saying there in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Now, I want to skip all the way down to verse 16. Now, keep in mind, the third temple, we, we've got Gog and Magog, uh, Psalms 83, uh, uh, Albert Pike's third battle, the Luciferian battle, all going on. we got an individual coming in. Peace, peace, all, oh, put your faith in me and I'll give you peace. So now we've got the temple being built, the sacrifices, everybody's happy. Halfway through that, oh, we got the abomination of desolation. He's going to say, no more, no more celebrating your holidays, whether you're Jewish or Christian, no more celebrating your holidays. For I, Lucifer, I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So now we come into Zechariah chapter 14. What's the very first thing Yeshua Messiah does? And it shall come to pass. That everyone that's left out of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Sabbath, and keep what? The Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 19, and this, uh, verse 18, and if the family of Egypt, those in bondage, go not up, come not, have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith Yahweh will smite the heathen that come not up to keep what? The Feast of Tabernacles. Take notice. This has not happened yet. There are, in this Zechariah 14, for those with wisdom, there are no Christian holidays. There's no Easter. There's no Christmas, no Lent, no Ash Wednesday. Whatever your little silly churches keep, we're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. You know why? Because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, He is our tabernacle. He is our sanctuary of strength. I don't need a third tabernacle, uh, third temple. I don't need it. I don't need some Luciferian minister standing in a, a polluted sanctuary telling me what to worship. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the reality, folks. This is the reality. This is what the Messiah was talking about. This abomination of desolation. It's a reality, folks. It's coming. You're not going to be raptured out before it. Before the tribulation period. Before the abomination of desolation. Those ministers standing there. They're teaching you lies. Just like Ezekiel 13 said, I hate those 
that teaches souls to fly away. Folks, we got to wake up. More importantly, we're losing souls. We're losing very many souls. We got to bring these souls back into the flock. As I close out this morning, I want to close up there in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that it was in the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of the Messiah which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of Yahweh. For those who are wondering how to be filled with the Spirit, that Holy Spirit, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 offers excellent insight. The precise relevance of this passage for our present subject is obvious when the concluding purpose of the prayer is noted that you may be filled with the fullness of Yahweh. The opening phrases use the language of grace that He would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You see, folks, grace is about Yahweh at work, giving us blessings that we cannot deserve. These blessings are in proportion to his glorious spiritual riches. This perspective fits our studies on the Spirit perfectly because when the Holy Spirit is at work, Yahweh pour, he, the, the Holy Spirit pours out Yahweh's grace. The initial request pertains to the inner working of the Spirit to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That, that sanctuary strength. I want you to note, this request is made on behalf of those who have already had the Spirit residing in their hearts. This specific issue is about receiving new measure of spiritual power at the core of our building, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. The desired result of this work of Spirit is that the Messiah may dwell in our hearts through faith. That's the desire. That should be your desire, the result of the work of the Spirit, that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, Yeshua Messiah is present in the heart of every believer. Here he is being asked to settle down fully and make himself a home. Yeshua Messiah is being given free reign to rearrange our innermost being to fit his good pleasure. Allowing Yeshua Messiah to rule our hearts requires the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to break past spiritual obstacles such as apathy, fear, self-focus, temptations. To allow Yeshua Messiah to lead us in His way, we need the Holy Spirit enabling us to stay in Yahweh's words, to pray without ceasing, 
to worship daily and to fellowship regularly. Then, as Yeshua Messiah rearranges our inner life, He wants to anchor every aspect of our lives in Yahweh's love. That you, you and I, be rooted and grounded in love. With this, He wants us to experience the dimensions of His love, which are beyond mere head knowledge. To comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of the Messiah, which passes knowledge. This Holy Spirit process is always leading to more spiritual fullness. That you may be filled with the fullness of Yahweh. Dear Heavenly Father, I and those listening this morning humbly cry out to you every word of this majestic prayer. I earnestly desire the reality of its very implication that this Holy Spirit comes in us. That it fills our needs, Father. It strengthens us that we may know right from wrong, wrong from right. Father, I pray that the, the, the Holy Spirit it comes in through our souls. It grasps under our spirit that inner man. Father, I ask that the Messiah may dwell in our hearts as we continue to have faith in you. Father, we all pray to be filled with that fullness of you. If there's somebody out there this morning, Lord, that may not know you, they're still walking in darkness. Father, allow that light to shine on them. Allow that light to comprehend, to overshadow that darkness. That they also may be filled with the fullness of you. Father, what a testimony. What a testimony your word is to us. As we draw closer and closer to those words of Yeshua Messiah. As he answers those disciples those three questions. About your return. And about the events leading up to the end of this earth age. I pray that, the, that you provide the Holy Spirit with wisdom and knowledge to us. That we may be, uh, be able to recognize these elements. And, and pass them on to others, Lord. Share them with others. Father, I pray for the listeners out there this morning, Lord. I pray that you bless them with your Holy Spirit. In guidance. In wisdom and knowledge. Bless them with your glory, Father. Allow them to see what your will is. And how we can come about as a uniform group to preach the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything. In that precious name of Yeshua Messiah. Amen. Amen.